Psalm 26, and we will begin looking again as David, it looks like as we're in the context here, David is in a really trying time of his life. One of the beauties of the Psalms is it has a way of speaking to us where we are at, where David was at. He was very transparent, and he opened up, and there it was that David would, would hear the voice of God as he would just cry out to him. But in Psalm 26, David begins, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my, my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. As you look at this with me, we see David in a time of, uh, I just get a picture of this king that never did he have much peace. If one thing was settling down, something else was rising up. up. If it wasn't an uproar in the kingdom, it was in his family. If it wasn't that, there was, there was enemies on every hand. He was a man of war. Uh, that was the reason I believe we looked at this at some time recently. He was not allowed to build the temple of God because he, he, his hands were full of blood. But yet David was a very unique brother uh, in the Lord at that time of his life. And he was very transparent. And we, what we see with David, it was, there, was, there was no layers. It just, he just said it like he felt. And it may have seemed really abrupt. It may have seemed, a lot of times for us, we've got to pull the layers off, don't we? Well, I'm not feeling really well or really, but this isn't how David was. David was one, when he reached different points, he just said, this is how, where I'm at. Sometimes he would just kind of like, God, who are you? But if you notice this, he says, vindicate me, O Lord. In verse 1, I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord, and I shall not slip. And David was one saying, Lord, I need you. I need your vindication in my life. And what he's actually referencing is the attacks that he's getting from other people. Other people are going after this man. Whenever God uses men or women in his kingdom, someone's going to go after them. It's a You'll see this again and again. And David is at this point, and he says, Lord, here I am. And for a moment, we get a lot of eyes. It's like, Lord, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Now, one of the beauties of the Psalms is often they turn from I to you. They go beyond myself to the Lord, the deliverer. And we will see this tonight. But, he, but he, then he, he opens up in verse 2, and he says, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes. Now, if we look at this, uh, this term that David uses, examine me, you, you say, why? Here's this guy after God's heart. What caused him to be a man after God's heart? And one part of that with character of David was that David was able to say, Lord, I want you just to come in and wherever I need you and help, work. 
I'm not going to close you out of any place of my life. Now, how many people here like to go to the doctor? Okay, we got one back there. Bill says, yeah, I'll take that. And then you go back, well, how about, I read, I read a while back that the greatest fear of, of what is it, of, of all people is dying, second greatest, going to the dentist. And how many people like to go to the dentist? Uh, hand went up, hand went down, okay? Thought about it, don't want to go there. Well, with this whole area, I, I think about this often in this area, David, David's saying, okay, God, here I am before you. I don't want you to miss anything. And we will see that in the heart of David as he opens his life up to the God. Many times, uh, I don't know, I came from a family, and I, next week I go to see my father, and my dad's uh, fairly ill. But dad didn't like, like to go to the, the hospital. He didn't like to go to the doctor. I don't either. I've never been to the hospital in my life. Uh, I don't like to go. <laughs> you know, but the other part of that is we kind of say, okay, Lord, you might go, hey, check check out this. What would it be like to go to the doctor? Say, okay, Lord, doctor, check this out and check this out. But as far as that other area, leave that area alone. I got that one. Well, that's what we do a lot of times spiritually. Okay, I want an examination of my teeth, but uh, don't look at those molars back there. Those are, you, th those are my molars. <laughs> well, this is David, though, but what David was doing is saying, Lord, I want you to look at everything. I don't want to miss one thing, okay? So where I've got a blind spot, reveal it. Where I'm not seeing you, show me. And I believe when you think about David being a man after God's own heart, this is one of the great characteristics of this man's life, is he was willing to say, Lord, just here I am. I, I, I want to be an open book before you. Now, I'm, I'm kind of a mess. And times he, 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 will, he will open that up very clearly. But when we think about the secret of effectual and powerful prayer, it lies in an openness before God. You think of the two people who went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, one was a publican. But when the Pharisee went, he was not open to God. But the public had very little say except, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I need you, God. And this is what we find here with David. David was one who was willing to admit his need in every way that God would reveal it. And what he's willing to say is, Lord, if I'm missing this area, take this. I remember the first time I ever heard a pastor pray, God, and this man went through great trial, long gone. He was an evangelist. And I was praying in a set in California. He said, God, if there, the area of our lot, my life that is holding me from you, no matter how deeply and close it is, rip it out of my life. I go, wow. And I was a young, young guy. And I go, wow, this guy has actually given God complete control of his life in one prayer. But this is what we find with David as he opens up in this area of examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. Now, the privilege of God's children is that we are able to truly just say, God, I want your examination. I, and, and really, examination of our life by God is one of the great privileges of a child of God. Because what he's going to do, he's going to touch us. He's going to tap us. He's going to bring us back, and he's probably going to show us also something that is a blind spot that we don't see initially, and he's going to tap us. He's going to, here's one. Sometimes he'll just show you a mirror. You ever had that? He'll say, take a look. You really aren't 
Andy said it tonight. You're pretty ugly, really. You look in. But the Lord has a way of revealing. And David was seeking in his heart that desire for examination. Let's grab one verse in Psalm 139 that speaks of this heart of David also in examination. Psalm 139. Uh, I was going to put those up in, the, up, up in the screen and maybe the next time I will. But here in verses 23 and 24, uh, 139 is a tremendous psalm. We hope to get there one of these days, if God will. It's, but but the, the, the area of self-examination is coming up in Psalm 23, uh, 139, 23, when he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And if you think about this, like he is saying, God, take your searchlight and put that on the very deepest inner part of me, okay? Search me, O God, and know my heart. He's not saying, know my actions, know what, I, what I'm saying. He's saying, God, I want you to see inside me. And then if you notice the next phrase here, try me and know my anxieties. And here David's saying, Lord, I'm laying my body out here, and I'm willing for you not only to search me, but to test me. Now, what does that mean? Many of you have went through procedures here that have taken a period of time. They've hurt even. It wasn't what you wanted to do because the physician knew the only way he can get to the core of the need is to t touch an area that would create pain. And David here is saying, Lord, I want to be searched. And it's sometimes it's easier. It's a little bit easier to say, okay, Lord, I want you to search me, but do I want you to try me. And then quietly, we probably say, Lord, could I, could I choose the, the test? But this isn't who David, what, how David is. And he says, see if there is any wicked way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. And David is saying, Lord, I want you to search. I want you to test me. I want you to look deep. I want you to find that one area in my life I'm moving from you. That blind area that I might be denying or I'm not even seeing. And, and notice what he's saying. He says, any wicked way in me. Lord, I, I want to give you complete liberty for my soul and body. Completely. And this is, a, this, is part, this is one of the reasons that this man's heart just beat after God. It wasn't that he was perfect. It wasn't that he didn't, he didn't make his mistakes in life. We will, we will get there in the study further in the book of Psalms. We'll see many places. But he says, but you look and see if you find any wicked way. And then he says, lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, when you find it, take care of it. Take care of the area you find. And, and as you think about that with me, uh, what David has said is, I know this is going to radically affect my life. It's going to change some stuff. Have you ever thought about how many times God has answered prayers that we have prayed to him, and we were not expecting the answer we got, and it brought tremendous trial. But we may have looked back, and he was leading us in the way of everlasting. He was searching, he was trying, he was testing. He was going, and notice where David is going. I want, I want you to know my heart. It's not about the outward. The entire word of God is teaching this phenomenal truth. It's not about the outside, it's about the inside. It's not about what I can see, it's what I cannot see. It's inside here. It's in the core of my being that quietly, God, you see completely. 
And I don't even always see it like you do. David is actually acknowledging this when he's God, but I'm turning the searchlight on, and I want you to see in to me. You know, I think one of the beauties, uh, we're, we're at that, when we reach this point, in, even in prayer, we're ready to pray. Because now God has done business with us. One of the things that uh, I've learned over a few years in teaching the Word of God is many times I'm not ready to teach until God has done business with me and I have done business with God. I'm not ready. I think I am. I've got the text. Many times the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, has just motioned and said, hey, guy, come back here. It's Saturday morning. I've got something to deal with. Deb could testify for hundreds of crises as it happens on Saturday mornings. And every one of those was God searching. You see, because the difference is, he says, is the message in your head or is the message in your heart? Is your worship in your head or is it moved to your heart? Because what I want is a heart connection. I don't want just words. I don't want just things. I want you. I want the inward part of your heart. And this is what makes David so beautiful uh, in, in, in the way he follows the Lord Jesus. One more verse because we're in this in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. I want to give you one more because it's, a, it's an amazing area, this area of the privilege of examining ourselves or letting the Lord examine. The privilege of saying, God, I'm going to let you open, I'm going to open up my life and let you come in and tell me what I don't always want to hear. Okay, because that's what happens. Tell me the area that I am moving from you. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, is Paul is coming to the end of his writings to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church had many trials and adversities. There was all kinds of testings they went through. They blew it in a lot of ways. But Paul here writes, and he says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Notice the, 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 the area of examination. It's not whether you, are, you have the ability to make it. You got the right connections. Or you got it all, have you got to figure it out in your Christian walk? Paul is saying, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Is your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you looking to him, the author and finisher of your faith, that, that Hebrews chapter 12 says, and looking to the Lord Jesus? And, and I'm giving this and lingering here because it is one of the great privileges of the child of God. It is actually a tremendous blessing, the privilege of self-examination. Because when we are willing to do it, the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 11, that when we make the choice to examine, we will not be examined by God. But if we resist examination, God will examine us. He says if we would judge ourselves, we will not be judged by God. But when we are judged by God, we will be chastened. Because we won't, so we will not be condemned with the world. But, but as Paul's going, he, he says, test it. Then he goes on and says, test yourself. Now, I don't know what we get out of this, but I just get this, ask the hard question. Make the hard decision. It's so easy to just talk in platonic terms and just casual, you know, God's good and God's great. But he says, no, test yourself. 
Test yourself. Be willing to go through a fire and say, Lord, will you reveal to me any area that I am not truly walking with you closely in, no matter how hard and deeply it hurts me? Now, these are prayers God wants us to pray. But if you look at this, he says, test yourself. And there's a parallel here. You'll see this compared to Psalm 139. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified, meaning if you are not a believer. But test yourself to ensure that you are a child of God. We say, well, I did that back in, for me, I'll say, well, that's back in 75. March 1, 75. The problem with each of us is that the Lord Jesus wants us to take the path back to the area we found redemption and discover his grace and his power again. It's, it's amazing. Many times he'll take us like little children and say, come over here and sit down and I'm going to teach you again. I want you to become like a little children, child because the word of God says unless you're like a little child, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the Lord Jesus will do this. And here Paul is saying, don't you know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you indeed you are disqualified. But, but test yourself. And this was what David is doing in the Psalms. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Now, Paul, there's a parallel verse in 1 Corinthians 11 here where Paul, and I'm not going to refer to that because we're going to jump back in the psalm and get going to the psalms again. It's a, where he says, let every man examine himself and then let him eat. Okay? What he's saying is, once you come to the place of saying, I'm not worthy, Lord, but I'm worthy through you, then partake. He's speaking about partaking of the Lord's Supper. Sometimes at the, at the Lord's Supper, at the table of the Lord, you're partaking of the bread and the wine. He wants us to realize one more time, acknowledge, Lord, without you, I am nothing. Nothing. With you, I can do everything. And this is where David was going to get so many times in the Psalms. Now, let's go back and keep in. We, we jumped away, and we're not going to jump away like that again tonight, I don't think. But let's go back into Psalm 26. And, and David, David goes on, and he speaks about this examination, and then he turns to the Lord in verse 3, and I love this. Sometimes you'll find the entire psalm going where he starts me, my, I, and then we, and then finally you. But David here jumps very quickly over to the Lord. Verse 3 says, for your loving kindness is before my eyes. God, I see you and your loving kindness, and it's before my eyes. And I have walked in your truth. Now, David has come through this examination time. He's making a declaration of his walk with Jesus Christ, but he has also asked the Lord to examine him. Think of the context there. If we're going to make a statement that we're walking with Jesus Christ, God's going to say, have we been walking through a time of allowing God to examine our heart? Have we opened up all the inner resources of our heart? And here he says, he says, he says, and I've walked your truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. And David is coming through the process of examination. He says, Lord, I don't want that. I don't want that darker side. Remember the first psalm, the very first psalm that we went to here Pastor Brett took us to, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits 
in the seat of the scornful. And David reaches a point that says, I'm not going to go there, Lord. I don't want to go where sinners are. I do, do not want to be with hypocrites. I, I hate the assembly of the evildoer. I don't want to go there. Now, that is a test, and, and I will not sit with the wicked. Now, the Lord doesn't say we, don't, we run, but the word, the word says, love the sinner, but don't love the sin, okay? The word of God is really clear there. Don't find yourself a partaker of that which is dark. There's not a lot of you that are younger here, but when I was a young guy, God picked me out of the pit at 19 years old. And I was a party guy. And I had nothing, no interest in Jesus Christ whatsoever until he picked me out of the pit. Then I knew I could not go back with those old friends. I knew that. Because the moment I tried to go back to those old friends, I was going to go down. It was going to catch me. And I'd cry out to God, God, I can't even. And I can remember one time, one of the guys I played football with coming beside me at a stop sign and saying, John, one more party, one more time. And I said, I can't go there, Doug. I can't go there. Now, David is right here also. He has said, I've went through an examination process, Lord. I've looked to you, and I'm not going to go there. Now, I give this to us because sometimes when we, I had a really good friend uh, in California that was just on fire for Jesus Christ. And I mean, just amazing. His name was Ray. And this guy, we did a lot of things together. And this, I was in my 20s, young pastor. This guy was just on fire. And one day he says, I'm not a, you know, God, I got the Holy Spirit now. I'll go anywhere. I'm going back in the bars and I'm going to drink milk. <laughs> Guess what happened to Ray? He went back to heroin, and he died of an overdose. Now, there is a place that we must make decisions based upon evil. There's a lot of places someone else can go, we can't go. That doesn't mean we can always judge them. We have to say, I can't go there. They might be able to go there, but I can't. It might be because of a past addiction. It might just be toward an inclination. It could be something really simple. They might be able to make it, but I can't. And David here was saying, I'm not going to go where the wicked are. I will make that choice. I will choose righteousness. I will choose truth. I will choose that which is, is, is right. I want to turn in, over to 2 Corinthians 6.14 tonight and get one more little teaching over here that's uh, really uh, powerful in this area. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, the Holy Spirit needs to speak to all of us in an area like that, but what he is saying is, don't get in relationships that cause compromise. Whatever they are. Don't be hooked into something that's going to cause you to compromise your Christian faith. Now, David is saying, I'm going to go here. I'm going to stay away from this. And here's why Paul says this. Corinth got caught. Corinth was enshrouded in idolatry. The goddesses of dying, all these goddesses rose up, Aphrodite in that city. And the people of Corinth, even the believers are getting caught. And Paul rebuked that in five and six. But here he's saying, don't 
He, he is teaching this, don't be unequally yoked together. This speaks of business relationships. This speaks of marriage relationships. This speaks of friendships. Many, many times someone says, well, I think I'll have a, uh, I can have a great influence on this guy if I keep dating him. But he's not a believer. Dating isn't a great place for evangelism. It's not a good place at all. And here Paul is simply saying, what fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness? He's saying there's light and darkness here. There are two different things. And David has reached that point in saying, God, I'm going to stand for purity. What communion has light with darkness? Or what, what accord has Christ with Belial? Now, Belial was like a devil. Now, how could Christ and the devil get along well together? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be their people. And Paul is just simply saying, don't forget that. Because there is a woo back no matter where you're at in your Christian life. Don't matter if you've been serving the Lord a year or two or some of you maybe 50 years. The woo back is there. It's just like the Pharaoh of of olden times, just come back. And Paul is saying, don't go there. What accord, he, he says that, and then he challenges in verse 17, come, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Step away. They can, you can't. You can't. If you do it, you will compromise. You will compromise the very beauty and glory and the magnificence of Jesus Christ. And they'll see a shrouded, clouded, covered Christ. And here, the, here Paul is instantly saying, don't touch that which is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And, and David was making that choice back in Psalm 26 when he says, I'm gonna, I am going to stand for truth. As we follow this chapter on in verse six, he says, I will wash my hands in innocence. I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of your wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. And we're going to get that, I, I believe, before we get done tonight, because we're going to drop into 27 for just a couple of verses. But David is simply saying, I want to move toward your glory, okay? I want to move to where you shine bright. I don't know how many of you have had this experience. We used to live in a city called Ellensburg, Washington. It's the first area we were in church planting in Washington State. And Deb and I and our family would take a walk in the downtown, and I would walk past this building. And I've had this most of my life. It, there was something that said, it's not right. I don't know what's going on. There was all kinds of witchcraft going on in there. And, and, and things, but it was like, don't go there. Don't go there because there's darkness. There's something there. And David says, but you know what he's saying is, I'm going to go to the light. If we're wondering, let's make the choice for the light. Okay, here's darkness and light. Lord, where's the light? I see the lights right here. Lord, I want to go where your light shines brightly. I don't want to go where it's dim because dim moves towards dark. I want to go in the light. 
Just like John says, walk in the light as he is in the light. And here David is saying, I want to go, I, I go where the light is. There's a lot of times many Christians say, you know, but you know, I'm a believer. I've got the spirit of God. I believe I'm, I'm the exception of the rule. You're not the exception of the rule. The rule is you walk there, you will become like that. The word of God says the Holy Spirit changes you from the inside out. But he asks us to come back to the place that we choose light. We choose life. We choose that which is good and that which is holy. Do not gather my soul with sinners, verse 9, nor my life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands it is a sinister scheme and whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, David says, I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be merciful to me. My foot stands in an even place in the congregations. I will bless the Lord. David notices, he said, Lord, don't put me over here, but I'll tell you what I want to do. And I'm going to give us this tonight just to, to hang on to. We get in these tight places that we're walking a very delicate path in the middle of darkness, okay? It's there. It doesn't matter whether it's in family relationships, work environments, whatever it is. And David here is saying this. He says, Lord, I'm going to walk in my integrity, I'm going to make a choice that I'm not going to compromise truth no matter the cost. And the whisper out there is compromise it just, just a little bit, just a little bit. But David here says, no, I'm going to walk in my integrity, verse 11. This is what I will do. I will choose to be a man of integrity. My word will be my word. Truth will stand on truth. Redeem me and be merciful to me. And then he says, my foot stands in an even place, in the congregations, I'm going to praise the Lord. And, and this is interesting because a temple had never yet been built. The tabernacle was in the wilderness. The tabernacle at this time, uh, there's, a, there's a court that surrounded it. It was 60, feet, it was 60 by 20, and the inner, inner building of that was 30 by 9, and there was a laver and a table and an altar of incense and an ark, a very simple thing. But David often referred to the house of the Lord. And we're going to see it here in Psalm 27. I want us to realize it wasn't just walking into Calvary Chapel surprise. It was a spiritual decision to enter into the presence of God. See, this is so much different because sometimes we think this is church. And yes, it's church. But there's something bigger than this when we connect with Jesus Christ and one, one place in Psalms, uh, David asks a question, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Can he raise up an altar in the middle of barrenness? And he says, yes, he can. You know what that means? You can have some fantastic communion under a bridge of some homeless people if we walk by faith and not by sight. I, I've wondered at times, and this is just a wondering, if in, in, in eternity, is at the judgment seat of Christ, if the Lord won't just say for a moment, I'm going to let you see the places church was existing that you, you missed. You thought church was just down at Calvary or some other church you were involved in, but there was church here and church there. Remember those two guys over there? Remember those guys in Seattle? One time you got the burgers for them, the guys over there. You see, the Lord sees the sanctuary different than we see the sanctuary. He is looking for a sanctuary first within the heart of his children. 
And as David is speaking of this, and we're reading this together, and I want to jump just for the last couple minutes into the, into the 27th chapter, we are going to see this sanctuary come out that the Lord calls his children to that is not seen, but it exists, it's real. A sanctuary of communion and fellowship and praise and blessing. It's an amazing, uh, amazing part of what we call the Christian life. The things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. This is what the Word of God says. The sanctuary that David is referencing here when he says, my foot stands in, and in the congregations I will bless the Lord. Many times that old king, all he did was found himself in the wilderness, in, 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 in Gedi or fleeing in the desert. He, he lived in some cave. He struggled. Do you believe he found a sanctuary there? Amen. I hear an amen. Amen. God shows us a sanctuary wherever we are when we walk by faith. He will prepare it anywhere. Remember the, the 23rd Psalm? You prepare a table before me even in the presence of mine enemies, God. You will give me a sanctuary. Sometimes they say, oh Lord, if the church just gets right. God says there's already a perfect sanctuary. I want you to enter in. I want you to find me in the middle of everything else that's out there. I, have sent you, I with you have watched people just chase for the illusion of the perfect church. And I still remember one of the terms my dad used to say, if you find the perfect church, don't ever join it because you'll just mess it up. But, no, but notice as we look into Psalm 27, the Lord. Now, David is coming to this place. Lord, he's been talking about difficulty, but now he looks up to the Lord and he goes to the light, okay? He's turning to the brightness of the light. He's looking, and that's the choice every day. Here's darkness, here's light. Choose light. Choose life. Don't choose gray. Choose light. Decision in business, choose right. Working with a brother or sister, choose light. Reading the Word of God, deciding how am I going to work through this relationship, choose light. This is what the Word of God teaches. And here David says, says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And because of that, who am I going to fear? Now we're bringing something else in. He says, because, because I've got God and I have, notice the process though. He's went through examination. His heart has been tested. It's been tried. There has been a process that brought him to a place of confidence in the Lord Jesus or Lord God from heaven. And he says, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom am I going to fear? Fear. It's that monster. It creeps in different ways. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom am I going to be afraid? And David says, here's God. There's light. Fear is darkness. I don't need to go there. You know, fear in its different expressions is used over 450 times in the Bible. Because it's huge. You know, it, you, you look at the word, you look at fear, and, and even if you go on here in verse two, 2, it says, When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. And he says, you know, because he says, I see the Lord. He's my light. He's my salvation. He's seen the Lord also as more than just, the Lord is never one-dimensional. He is multidimensional. He's my light. He's my salvation. He's my father, he's my shepherd, he's my friend, 
He's my comforter. He's my guide. This is the word. This is the Lord. And David sees this. He says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Because of this, who am I ever going to be afraid of? And when the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. And though an army will come against me, notice where his confidence is getting. It's not in himself. It's in the Lord God. Even if an army camps against me, my heart will not fear. And though war would rise against me, in this I'd be confident. But he keeps touching on this area of fear. Have you ever noticed you say, well, that's not really my problem. That's other people's problem, but it's not mine. And then I'll just, maybe I'll illustrate it this way. A couple, it wasn't too long ago, we got this new friend, a new pet in our house. We, we named him Fred. He was free. And I really don't even know how he got in our house. I think I do because Debbie's really pretty intuitive and she says, I think you left the door open. And Fred came in. And we live in the Sonoran Desert, right? So we're in the desert and Fred's there. And Fred is, what would you say, dear, about an eight inch long lizard? <laughs> and I never thought I'd be Googling this week, how do you get, take care of lizards? <laughs> but I did. They even said, spray, spray cold water on them, they'll freeze. You get them, they'll freeze up. The challenge with Fred is he doesn't stay in one place very long. He moves pretty quickly. <laughs> and the night one, I will just confess to you, it was a little different getting in the bed. <laughs> Matter of fact, when I was Googling, they were giving you these different ways, throw a blanket, a pillow on top, and... How do we get Fred? Because you see him, and he—he's really a crafty guy because he moves really fast. But how do you get? How do you get him? They said take a blanket or pillow. So we have these blankets kind of ready, and I <laughs> get you, Fred. But uh, one one guy just simply said, uh, "Get a bunk bed." <laughs> but I will confess to you, I'm not a really. Uh, most people say you're not a real fearful guy, and that's really probably true. But crawling in bed that night, the night Fred got there that we knew he was in there, was just a little different. <laughs> and what happens with fear is fear has another different little angle to it, something you don't see. And it's almost a joke, and sometimes, have you ever noticed that? Like Fred, he's, how in the world with this little guy, he's, he's more afraid of you than you are of him, but how would this guy ever, ever be this way? And David is this, one of the things I, we think about with fear is fear has something to come back and touch you if the Lord isn't your life. Now, you can be a real strong guy. You could say, I've got all the armory. If you knew everything I'm carrying, everything in my house. We used to live in a place in Washington. They said, we don't ever get burglars here because we're all loaded, you know. But the Lord has a way of touching us all and saying, if the Lord isn't your life, you'll fear here. Might be a friend. He may not look like Fred. I've never seen Fred. I just get, but Deb's a great eyewitness, and I listen, and she tells me he's there, and I believe it. That's all. <laughs> but, but David is, is touching this area of fear, 
And as you look at it, though, fear has, let's just look at these paths of fear for just a minute, because fear has different paths. Okay, one path is the fear of the Lord. Now, what's interesting is there's good fear and bad for. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is what Proverbs says. There is a fear of God. There's another, there's another place in, in Ecclesiastes. It says, you fear God and keep his commandments because this is the whole of man. And so this is a wholesome, godly, reverential fear that we see him. Not only does he got it, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got control. And this is when David, where David is at the time he's writing this. He sees God is completely king of kings and lord of lords. He's looking. Then there is a fear that the Lord Jesus says you're not to have. It's a fear in which you're trusting your flesh. Now in John, he says, perfect love will cast out fear. Because fear has torment, and he that fears is not made perfect in love. Perfect love casts out fear. When there's perfect love, the fear is going to go. When a perfect love, so we, if we put, it, put ourselves up against the microscope examination, when fear is starting to come, somewhere we're letting an imperfect love work in our life. A perfect love casts out fear. Now here there is a fearlessness that is with unrighteousness and condemnation. And this is, this is awful but the word of God says there will come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But in Romans, Paul, as he is given an indictment regarding those who have not believed, he says there is no fear of God in their eyes. They've lost their fear of God. What they thought is that they think they're gods instead of God, the king, being God. And the word says there is no fear of God left in their eyes. Then I'll tell you, there is just this believing fear. A believing fear. I can still remember where I was when Deb and I gave our hearts to Jesus Christ. We were in this light 1971 little green Carmen Gee, and I began to shake and shiver, and I heard ever cried in my life. But I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, and I better make a decision because that darkness was good. I, and in my heart at that time, I didn't think I ever had another chance. If I turn, turn away from this, I will never get another chance to turn to God. I don't know. God knows. But there is a believing fear. It's a, it's a fear that the thief on the cross had when he turned to the other thief. And he was just simply turning and he began to repent. Lord, remember me when you come in my kingdom. And the other thief, the other thief despised him. And the thief who is turning to God says, don't you fear God knowing you are in the same condemnation? There is a reverential fear that is to work in every heart. So fear has a lot of different roads that it travels. Fear, feared, fears over 450 times. But when you look at it, there is a wholesome fear and there is a fear that needs to be eradicated through Jesus Christ. And Paul, as he was, I mean, as, as, as the psalmist was here, he says, the Lord's my life, my salvation. I'm not going to fear. He's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And he says, no matter what happens, I am not going to fear. I'm going to trust God. 
I am going to yield to him. We're just going to end it right here. Next weekend, uh, I, I'm going to be in California a few days with my dad. He's not feeling well. You can remember him in prayer. Uh, Bill Strickland's going to pick up next week. But notice in verse 4, the one passion that David emitted from his heart as he came to the end. And I want to leave this with us tonight. He says, one thing I've desired of the Lord that I'll seek after. One thing. Now, when everything else is done, there was a lot of different areas even tonight we've covered. But he says, there's one area that I'm going to pursue. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And you say, how do you do that? The temple was not even built. It is because David says, I want a heart that lives in God's presence every day. If I'm on the job, if I'm sitting in my throne, if I'm walking out among the fields, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord, not just when I get there, all the days of my life. Meaning, Lord, I want to claim that promise of dwelling in your house always. And so that means when you're on the job tomorrow, when you're at home just meditating, you're dwelling in the house of the Lord if we're willing to enter into the presence of God. And he says, notice this, all the days of my life, and this is what I want to do there in the house of God, and this, I'm going to leave you here tonight. I want, to, I, want you to be, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When I'm there, I just want to see you, Lord Jesus. That's what I want to see. I want to choose to dwell in your house and see you. This is a choice. David was sharing a choice he was making. It is a choice not only for David, but for us. As we leave tonight, it is a choice. Lord, it doesn't matter how tough it is, how rough it's been, how many trials, how much darkness. But with it, I'm going to choose to dwell in your house all the days of my life. And I want to give this, this a challenge tomorrow, tonight. Choose light. Choose life. Choose good. Choose to dwell in the Lord's house. And to, not only today, but say, Lord, I want that to be a choice to dwell in your house all the days of my life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're alive. I thank you, Lord, that you ever live to... Uh, prepare a house, a table for, before us. You have altars and tabernacles and uh, amazing places that your hand has prepared for us. Lord, by faith, we want to enter in. No matter how tough it is at home, no matter how hard it is in the job, no matter how much we are struggling with any personal challenge, Lord, tonight, by faith, we want to enter in to partake of your glory, your goodness, your magnificence. Because you're an amazing God, Lord, and we want to behold your beauty and your glory. So may you bless and keep us. May our examine us, Lord. Test us, try us, that we can always find your truth and your way and your light, even though we're surrounded by darkness, because you are the light of life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.